Look at my butt. Show number 291 of Look at His Butt, LT and JK Talk Trek. We're back. Listeners, listeners, I know you thought we were dead and we weren't dead. It was uh, just a combination of a lot of real life stuff and also technology. Oh, my God. Technology that absolutely refused to uh, cooperate with us in any way, shape or form. And without technology, we can't actually do a podcast. Mm -hmm. So therefore, there was no podcast. Yes. So we think we are in business. Again, (laughs) we have a list. You know, I really do feel like we didn't do anything this summer. Maybe we did, but there's so, you know, there's been so much going on that I confined my topics to what happened this week. Mm -hmm. And there was plenty. There was more than enough for a whole show just this week. This is true. Um, Yeah, so many, many things happening. Oh, I just thought of another thing that I wanted to mention, but um, maybe if we have time, we can get to it. Okay. Star Trek continues to blossom and grow, and there's all kinds of wonderful stuff happening. But first, most importantly, we need to talk about William Shatner going into space. I know. (laughs) Now, I have really thought hard about what I want to say. Okay. It feels to me like all of time and and space and energy and and knowledge and wisdom and everything ever has been moving towards this convergence <laughs> where Bill, Captain Kirk, goes into space in a rocket ship shaped like a cock. <laughs> That's what I have to say. I think you're right. I, I definitely think you're right about this. To qualify this, you guys have probably all heard it by now. He's not actually going to space space. It's not like he's going to the moon. Right. He's, he's going to the, the very edge of Earth's atmosphere. So close <laughs> enough, close enough. Right, right. That you could spit and it would be space. Right. Now, the thing I don't understand is that he's been asked about going to space for years and years and years. And he's always said he would never do it Mm -hmm. because he was too scared and it was too risky and he really didn't have a desire to do it. So my thought immediately was what got him to do it? There must have been some reason why he's agreed that now it's a thing that he's going to do. So... Was there like a huge donation to his charity? Is he doing it as a publicity stunt for some thing that he's doing? Like, what's the reason, Bill? Why are you doing this all of a sudden? Uh, I have a theory that mm-hmm. it's really both of those things. It was either a big, you know, boatload of money to him or to his charity or, mm-hmm. you know, anything he's got set up. And um, also because this whole thing's being filmed to be a documentary you know, one of Bill's many documentaries because mm-hmm. his whole life has to be a documentary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it is kind of publicity, but it's also yeah. the, the reason for the stunt. Yeah, you're right. It's probably both of those things. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll find out more later. Okay, I hadn't thought about the documentary aspect, but I, I think you're right about that. So yeah, I, I just don't think he has any, you know, burning desire to do this. Like it's never been on his bucket list as far as we can tell from all the things he said. And he's just flat out denied it in the past. So well, you know, <sighs> 
if you were a very persuasive person, I think you could knock down that argument because he's done plenty of dangerous stuff. Mm. Oh, yes. And, um, you know, it's like you've been to the top of the Himalayas and you've done this and you've done that. And you're really, really going to turn down this opportunity mm-hmm. to boldly go where no other <laughs> TV actor has gone or, you know, however you want to put it. I, I think you probably could talk him into it. And also, it's like, Bill, you've got almost no time left, let's mm-hmm, be honest. Mm-hmm. So if the, the rocket ship blows up and you go that day, or you hang around for another week, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is true. I, I think that must be playing into it a little bit, too, is mm-hmm. that he's thinking about... If you're ever going to do it, it's now or never. It's, it has to be now, right? Like, how much time does he have left to do all these crazy things? Although... That said, he certainly behaves like he's got another 500 years on Earth with all the things that he's doing and planning and going places and doing things. I mean, he's out on tour right now. He's appearing at cons. He's got a new record out. He's got more documentaries happening. You know, it just doesn't stop ever. It doesn't slow down. How far ahead do you think he's booked? Oh, at least a couple of years, I would think. Yeah. You know. Because, I mean, and would would he turn something down by thinking, well, I might not be alive in two years? Oh, no, no of he course would never, not. never, no. never do that. But no. I'm just wondering. <laughs> well, here, here is the conundrum of William Shatner, okay? okay? And I know we've talked about this before, but this is this was news that he's going to go to almost space. And that's amazing and all that. And yet... I turn on my TV and I'm watching Star Trek at night and there are those goddamn commercials that he's now doing for some Medicare plan. Oh, yes. You know, call this 800 number and we'll give you help finding the right policy for you. Like, what are you doing? Why are you doing these commercials, Bill? And he says something like, I'm one of millions of people who have benefited from this Medicare program. And I'm thinking, really? Really? (laughs) Well, you know... His whole thing is got to keep working as long uh, as I've got a job. So I'm okay. He, so he had like, you know, a day of downtime and somebody said, you really should do this Medicare thing, Bill. And he went, sure. <laughs> yeah. Give me, give me the, the suit jacket. Now, I've noticed that in this commercial, he's wearing a, a very specific plaid suit jacket, which looks quite good on him. It's a, it's uh-huh. a nice jacket. I think that's his infomercial jacket because I've seen <laughs> him wearing it in one of the, um, what the hell is the thing called for the, the cleaning thing for the, the CPAP machine? Oh, yeah, yeah. So clean or whatever it is. He he wears that same jacket in those commercials as well. So that's his I'm infomercial gonna jacket. I'm going to watch for that. Yes. Wow. Oh, Bill. So I think that happens next week, right? Oh, let's see. I'm looking at this news article. Uh, well, this article was at the end of September, and it said next month, which is October, oh, which is okay. happening yes. very... But it's soon. It's very soon, yeah. Well, my Florida family have asked me if I'm coming down to watch the liftoff, because <laughs> you can see it from the beach in the, the town where they live. And I said, no, uh-huh. I'm not, not doing that. And then I've had several people say, wouldn't it be cool if he did it in a Star Trek uniform? <gasps> oh. No, no, I thought no as well, because I remember how bad that one looked that they got permission from Paramount to use for the paintball thing. Yeah, not no, no, don't don't do that. No. (laughs) 
All right. Well, um, so aside from that, he's been doing, yes, Medicare commercials, and he's been at cons. I've seen lots of pictures. He's been doing a ton of publicity for his new album, which we will talk about in a little bit. And he's got an episode of a TV show coming up. Oh, does he? What TV show is it? It's called... Murder is my life or death is my life. And the star <laughs> of it is the woman who played Xena, Warrior Princess. Oh, that's right. And, and I he's, saw, in the yeah. one, he's in an episode. It's season two and it hasn't been shown yet because I've been mm-hmm. trying to figure out if I'm going to be able to watch it. Um, the episode is called Sleep No More. Mm-hmm. Yes, Lucy Lawless. I saw her tweeting about that. Yeah, mm, and apparently okay. they're pals somehow. They know each other. I don't know, maybe from cons or it's something. It's showbiz people, you know. It's showbiz people, yes. So... Um, that's yes. Awesome. Good. He's keeping it up. Still doing, still working, still a working actor. Good. (laughs) Speaking of working actors. Yes. Yes. Uh, I wanted to very quickly review the fact that recently it was Star Trek day. Yay. Yay! Star Trek day. 50 years. 50 years. And the reason it was Star Trek day is that it was a celebration of when Star Trek was first broadcast. So that Mm -hmm. was cool. And they did a lot of different things for it. Paramount Plus had a nice stream, which you could watch for free. And they talked about uh, Prodigy, which is the animated series, which looks Mm kind of cool. They talked about Picard. They talked about um, Discovery a little bit. And of course, they talked about Strange New Worlds, which was the part that I was extremely... Uh, eager to see what they were talking about. So there were no big surprises for any of the the stuff that we already knew. They announced a couple of the broadcast dates, so it was good to know that stuff was going to be on the calendar. They showed a a little clip for Prodigy, which it looks cute. I I like the animation style and the the voices of the kids who are in it are nice. Um, Oh, they had a Lower Decks panel as well, and they they talked with some of the, the voice actors who were very funny and just said how much they enjoyed working on it, and also said that the second part of the lower deck season, because it's it's just past the halfway point now, will have um, very big stories and very big ideas. So Ooh. I don't know what that means. I know. What could that mean? I don't okay. know. But it'll be good. Okay. Well, speaking of lower decks. Yes. Um, I'm like two episodes behind. But I especially just adored the one where Mariner and Tendi went on a mission together. <laughs> yes. And like they're two minutes into it, and I'm going... That's me and Lena. Yeah, That's definitely. Us. You know, I, I really expected the angry admiral to bitch him out at the end of the episode. <laughs> it was so great. It was wonderful. The show just gets better and better. Uh, not to spoil it, but the one that was just on last week had a really interesting character development between Mariner and Boimler, where they kind of subverted the tropes of those characters in a way that was unexpected. And that's I one thought, of the ones I haven't watched yet. So no spoilers, no spoilers. It's, it's very, very good and unexpected. And then there's some, the, the other plot, the a plot has some good stuff going on in it too. So not, no false steps. So good. Far. really, really good and excellent animation and lots of callbacks and mm-hmm. all the things that you want to see. I love Lower Decks. I do too. It is it is one of my favorite Star Treks and I think it's one of the best things that's on television right now. I think so too. The other news about Strange New Worlds, which everybody was waiting for, was that they announced some of the other characters who are going to be in it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you see this? Yes, I did. Uh, okay. Um, so they talked ahead. about re- returning characters. So who who's coming back that we know about? Uhura, mm-hmm. right? 
So mm-hmm. interesting as sort of a cadet. Fine, I can deal with that. Um, chapel, interesting choice. Yeah. <laughs> um, not sure what they're going to do with her, but certainly more than they ever did on Star Trek, one would hope, <laughs> TOS. A woman whose name is uh, her her family name is Nunian Singh. So I know. Is she supposed to be related to Khan or what? I don't know. It's, it's like, oh, come on. You know, we don't want retreads. I don't, yeah. you know, you're on a mission to, to go all over and it's a big galaxy. And if you go to the same planets or meet the same people all the time, I'm going to be very disappointed. Yeah. So, and you know who I think they should bring back instead of these big names? Oh, who is a big name? Chapel's mm-hmm. a medium big name. Riley. <laughs> Maybe they will. Maybe we'll see him. You know, I mean, if, he, if you're going to, yeah. you know, bring bring somebody. And I mean, they've done, they've got number one and they've got Spock and they've got Chris Pike. Mm-hmm. Um, just bring back one one little one, like Lieutenant, is it Masters or McMasters? Oh, Masters, Charlene yeah, Masters, Masters yes. or uh, or Riley. I would love mm-hmm. to see Riley again. Hey, we, we can always hold out hope. The one that I was most happy about, though, mm-hmm. is that it's the return of Dr. Mbenga, which yes. I think is fantastic. Like, if they were going to pick anybody from the old cast to, to star in this thing, mm-hmm. that's a great choice. Yes. He was in exactly two episodes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but very so was Riley <laughs> so was Riley but Dr. Mbenga so competent so different from McCoy like just a different personality and type of doctor like super mm-hmm. no nonsense and all that I loved his character and you know more people of color is always great to show so yes I am excited about that and uh, I have to say I don't like the new uniforms but I'm sure I'll get used to them in time I just don't think they're very elegant looking well, they'll change them too, so. <laughs> <laughs> this is also true. The cast seemed super excited. Uh, I was happy to see that they got the, the main folks there for the Star Trek Day thing, or our second favorite captain. Um, <laughs> it it looks like it's going to be great. I, I kind of can't wait. Now, the one thing that they could have done, which they I know that they couldn't, but it would have been so good, is if they had... Uh, instead of a different actor playing Chapel, if they had just given Rebecca Romaine a blonde wig and had her playing Chapel, but not ever said anything about it, like just pretended oh like it was a different actor. Hey, you know, that could just be like, that could be the basis of an episode. It could be. <laughs> Maybe they'll do that. You're a genius. That's so wonderful. Oh, it would be so, so funny. I mean, it would be funny enough to do it, but then to pretend like that's not happening, right? Like they would have to just play it completely straight and go, what are you talking about? We have two different actors playing these roles. It's not her. Oh, my God. We wouldn't do that. (laughs) I like that. I like that. If I was was on the, the, the writing staff, I would be all over that. Yes. Well, maybe they considered it and uh, maybe there were some SAG rules about having to actually employ a different actor for a different role. Oh, no, not on Star Trek. Are you kidding? (laughs) Oh, so funny. Okay. So, so much Star Trek is coming. Oh, my God. So much Star Trek is coming. It's all going to be good. They they did a slightly longer teaser for Picard, which didn't reveal hard. Oh, well, it did reveal one thing is that it's going to be a time travel plot in part of it, at least. Uh-huh. I had where heard they, that. Yeah, they come back to 
basically present day uh, San Francisco, in fact, where they're going to go look. Yeah, right. They're going to go look at Starfleet Academy or something. Um, no, that's that's like the vortex. It's it's like the the, the hub, the the FedEx hub, where all the packages go before they go somewhere else. In time travel, you have to go to San Francisco. They think they're going to get away, and then it just keeps pulling them back in, just mm. like that. Yep. So we'll see. It looks good. Uh, it, it there is no plot given away in the trailer. Just some scenes showing that they ha- there's a mistake, and they got to go fix it. Obviously, it's another setup by Q. I think to say mm-hmm. you fucked something up, and now you have to fix it, as he often does. So it should be good. It should be very good. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a side note, I have to say I watched uh, so on. Uh, H&I, I guess, they, they're always showing the block of Star Trek at night. And right. we'd been watching uh, Next Generation because it was the last season and there are some good ones in there. And then we watched the last two episode, the two-parter for Best of Both, uh, not Best of Both Worlds. Um, all Good Things. All Good Things. Thank you. It was like another aphorism. Okay. So I have to say, once again, watching that, and then they immediately followed it up with the first episode, Encounter at Farpoint. And it is amazing to me that John Delancey is so good from the first episode and the last episode. He is the best thing about that first episode. And he is pretty much the best thing about that last episode, too. Well, and, that, you know, unfortunately, that was true of so much of TNG that the guest star, mm-hmm. you know, could take over. I mean, the, the, the scripts were written that way because... For the longest time, they weren't allowed to make the regular people interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. So it just really struck me that he, all along, that character, he and that character are the same, and that he was great and he was cute right from the Mm get-go, right to the very last episode, still compelling and interesting and still so clearly the same character even though stuff has happened and he's changed a little bit over time he's just fantastic so i i am very eager to see what he can do as q so many years later now he's dealing with you know his boyfriend picard who's a little old man now you know what's (laughs) that going to be like what kind of relationship are they going to have now and he's going to show up and picard is going to yell get off my lawn (laughs) exactly (laughs) I'm um, too old for this. Get out of my my vineyard. Get out of here. <laughs> Delancey has said that the relationship between Q and Picard is going to be very different. Mm, okay, cool. So, and um, you know, in this whole thing about the time travel and everything, someone pointed out that um, in the very last episode of TNG, um, Q revealed, you know, that the test had never ended. That's right. Yeah, that's but what he, he says. But he also says the test never ends. Mm-hmm. So we <sighs> will see. And if Q's going to be in it, I, I will watch it. As you know, I was not that impressed with the Picard series, and it got too complex for me to keep mm-hmm. up with. But I will watch it for John Delancey, who yes. I think is a wonderful actor. Yeah, and I, I want to see Q. I want to see Q and Picard. They're so good together. Mm-hmm. Well, good. So that's happening. Um, another thing that they talked about a little bit on Star Trek Day is that um, apparently they're making a biopic of Gene Roddenberry. I guess so. And I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. You know, um, here's what the headline says. The upcoming biopic will cover Roddenberry's experiences before and after Trek, shedding light on the filmmaker's full and fascinating life. Who is in charge of this? Is Roddenberry's son in charge of this? Yes. 
Mm, okay, then I say no. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's going to be um, a hagiography, right? It's it's going to present a lot of good stuff, a lot of really good stuff, and they're really going to downplay the problematic stuff. Which, you know, I guess they have to do in these sorts of things, but I don't know. I mean, this whole thing about, like, his life after Star Trek. Well, and I'm what, afraid what does that gonna, mean? <laughs> they're going to uh, give in to the temptation to have him meet various people who you realize, oh, that's the inspiration for whoever was the first guy in space, no. Ephraim Cochran. Yeah, that, yeah, you know yeah, things true. like that which it's to me that's just like that is the cheesiest sort of you know biofilm making yeah it it seems to me more much it would be far more interesting to me anyway to focus more on his pre-star trek stuff mm-hmm. and have it be the story of how he got to star trek exactly because you know, he did a lot of interesting things. He was a pilot. He did survive some plane crashes. He was a police officer. He really worked hard to get himself established mm-hmm. in the TV industry. You know, he, he wrote a lot of scripts and he, yeah. he pounded a lot of pavement and everything. And it all kind of built up to track. It would be nice to have that be the arc, right, where he, he gets exactly. this success because... What came after Trek, I think, is far less interesting. You know, right, and you don't want it to turn into the making of Star Trek. No, that's boring. Nobody wants to see and there's that. There's a natural and, arc there. You know, you wouldn't have mm-hmm. to, to make stuff up. Yeah, and there are so many people who are around who were part of what happened after Star Trek, who were, you know, if it's going to be so positive and, and wonderful, they're all going to call bullshit on that because so yeah. much of it wasn't, you know, I was thinking particularly about uh, chaos on the bridge when Bill was talking to people and how Roddenberry's presence on TNG was bad. Yes. It was really bad. You know, it didn't, mm-hmm. as you said, it didn't allow them to tell interesting stories about the characters and he was micromanaging things and coming up with really bad story ideas. And eventually they had to just like, lock the door and keep him away because they couldn't do it correctly with him interfering and you know he he didn't have any other really successful tv shows after star trek you know Mm -mm. he had some that got a little bit of traction and he didn't have that much to do with the movies aside from giving a lot of notes that nobody paid attention to and you know and then there's you know the ickier stuff like his, you know, cheating constantly on his wives and mm-hmm. um, doing a lot of drugs and drinking and treating his son not very well and a lot of allegations of, of sexual harassment and mm-hmm. stuff. Like, and worse. Are they going to be, yeah, yeah, are they going to be including all that in there? I kind of don't think so. I kind of don't think so either, but yeah. who knows? You know, it's very frustrating. Like you were saying, that should be the arc. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, and there's a natural arc there. And when uh, the movie came out, Judy, with Renee Zellweger playing Judy Garland, I had seen mm-hmm. the play that's based on. And mm-hmm. I liked it a lot. But people were going, why do they have to focus on the end of her life and, you know, everything? And and I thought, you know, the, the story that hasn't been told about her, that to me is a natural arc, is when she was down at her lowest and over like a two-year period, started and built up her career as a concert artist. And the mm. end of the movie would be, we're going to Carnegie Hall. 
Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, not show the Carnegie, Carnegie Hall, Hall concert. Yeah. Maybe just show her going out there to this applause and yeah. standing ovation that went on for ages. Yeah. Because that's a natural story there, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a story of having a goal and actually committing to it and doing it and what a workhorse she mm-hmm. was and how she knew everything about show business. So mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. to me is the story that should be told. Yeah, I agree 100%. But they've just announced this, so who knows if it's even going to happen, right? Yeah. So many projects get announced and they don't actually happen, so we'll just have to see. But if we hear anything else um, we'll keep you informed. I'm just looking at the credits for this. Uh, it will be produced by Rod Roddenberry, and it will be written by a guy named Adam Mazur, who previously wrote scripts for a movie called Breach. Never heard of it. Uh, Empire State. I haven't seen that. And the Emmy-winning TV movie, You Don't Know Jack, starring Al Pacino. Oh, I started to watch that, and I wasn't. No. I'm not a fan of Pacino <laughs> anyway, but... So three things I've never seen. Okay. Uh, great. So there we go. Um, so I'm ahead because I saw like 20 minutes of one. <laughs> uh, one thing I do want to mention is that uh, as a total aside, you know, Bill did his Ticonderoga thing. There were not lots of pictures. I think we mentioned that before. George Takei was at Ticonderoga. He was the big guest. Mm-hmm. And oh my God, they got him to put on the gold tunic and sit at the helm. And I don't know how I feel about that. <laughs> really? I don't know that I have any feelings about that. I'm sure a lot of people just, you know, mm-hmm. loved it. And... Oh, I'm sure. I, I, I think it's great that he was there. And I'm sure he had a whale of a time talking with uh, all the fans and all the people who visit and all of that. There's something about, ma- I would say making, but having actors wear the costumes again, that just feels a little icky to me. Like mm-hmm. in the same thing that you said, you know, like, oh, is Bill going to wear a Star Trek uniform when he goes into space? No. And having George wear the, the tunic, the gold mm-hmm. tunic, to sit at the helm, I don't know. There's something about that that just bothers me. I can't quite put my finger on it. I mean, he doesn't even get to be Captain Sulu, right? Like, they're demoting him back down to... to uh, they busted him know, down to lieutenant officer. again. Lieutenant, yeah. That doesn't seem right. I don't know. Well, you know, all those years on, you know, in the fanfic community... And feeling very superior because at least I don't do the costumes, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the people who do all that. But it's like everybody has their own or everybody who, you know, is involved in Star Trek in this loving, exciting way has their own way of expressing that. And, mm-hmm. you know, mine was fanfic and there's people doing uh, music and there's the costumes and there's the people collecting things. and you know, making their own little movies of it and, and all this. Mm-hmm. And I may poo-poo those, but those, mm-hmm. you know, so there were probably a lot of people who went to bed happy that night going, he was in the costume, you know. So. <laughs> I know. I, yes, I I agree that it just, I don't know why it bugs me so much. I probably need to think about this some more. But um, it, it just, it, it was shocking, actually, when I saw the picture of him sitting there, because there have been lots of pictures he's done sitting at the helm, dressed in mm-hmm. his street clothes. He and Walter Koenig did a photo shoot. I think Bill was even there. So they were all sitting there. It was, mm-hmm. you know, sort of amusing. But there's something about it with the with that tunic. I suppose if he'd been sitting in the captain's chair wearing his Captain Sulu outfit, it, it might have seemed different to me. Hmm. That would have creeped me out. 
because he may, <laughs> well, because I feel like George takes things too far. And he, yes, for years, true. just would not shut up about there should be a Captain Sulu series. And Paramount or mm-hmm. whoever owned it at that time did all the research and they went, nobody wants that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not an audience yeah. out there waiting for it. And he just kept going on and on. And the same thing with his feud with Bill. He just never lets things go. Mm-hmm. This is correct. In fact, Bill's been fighting with people on Twitter about that lately because, oh. I don't know, some idiot fan brought it up. And I wish Bill would just ignore this sort of stuff now. It's I don't know why he feels like he needs to respond to people, but he's sort of got a, a pat answer down as to why everybody should just shut up about this. And I'm going, well, you should shut up about it, too. <laughs> You're going to tell other people to stop talking. I finally got an idea about why he likes to go on Twitter and fight with people. It's because a lot of these are very similar to or maybe even the same people who go to cons and of course there mm-hmm. he has to be funny and entertaining and harmless <laughs> and be on his good behavior on twitter he could say you're banned fuck off you know and yes he yes, does as he often does yes yeah. he does quite frequently oh boy uh anyway so ticonderoga soldiers on i saw a picture the other day that they're making the tng set where you'll eventually be able to go and do it. So that that looks good. Good for them. Yes, I wonder if they will get Jean-Luc to uh, go there. And Oh, I don't know. Does does Pat, I guess he does cons, but oh, I he mean, does he cons. doesn't few and far between, though, not nearly at the pace mm-hmm. that, that Bill does things, that's for but sure. But nobody mm-hmm. does anything at the pace that Bill does <laughs> This is extremely true. Um, Okay, speaking of Bill, let's take a little break, and then uh, we're going to come back and talk about his album, which is called Bill. Good name. I like it. Very descriptive. It's catchy. It is. It's, It's very catchy. Okay, we'll be right back. Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Listeners, we would love to hear from you. Send us email at lookathisbutt at gmail.com or look us up on Facebook and leave us a comment. Tell us your Trek news. So William Shatner has an album out, and it's called Bill. And the the picture that they've used for the cover is a beautiful picture of him yes. from very early on in his career, um, probably Broadway days, I would say. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a picture we've seen before, black and white, really nice. Uh, he looks great, and the art <laughs> that they've used for both the album cover and then. All of the videos that accompany it is really interesting. It's very um, collage mm-hmm. a whole mix of different styles. And he's not in any of the videos. It's it's all animation, which I thought was kind of cool. Like, they didn't actually try to. And it's not animation like the one that, um, oh, 
for I Put a Spell on You that we had both not really liked very much mm-hmm. from the last album. Yeah. I think these are much better. So I, w- I was pretty impressed. And they made a video for every single song on the record. There are 14 songs and there are 14 videos. So oh, that was a lot of that. Okay. Yeah. They, they put a lot of effort into doing these little videos. So listeners, if you want to hear all of the tracks go to YouTube and just do the playlist because apparently some of these are not on Apple Music for Well, they might reason. be. I might have, I don't know, hit shuffle <laughs> or something. God knows. I don't know what I'm doing. So, uh, well, you tell me, what did you think? I was very impressed. I think it's the best thing he's done since has been. Mm-hmm. And um, it's... It's a, it's a memory thing, you know, but he's looking back And I Mm. think he's pulling up certain incidents, but he's also looking for certain themes in his life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's a very, very uh, personal album. I also have to say that the music in the 10 tracks I listened to was fantastic. Mm. I was very impressed with the music. Um, My favorite cut is Black Horse. (laughs) <laughs> Me too. And uh, we have heard him tell that story at a con. But yes. at a con where there's, I don't know, how many thousands of people sitting there hanging on your every word, you're not going to reveal yourself as deeply as he mm-hmm. does in in this song. Mm-hmm. And it's about um, a horse of his, and he never names the horse, but because we know the story, it's Great Day. He won mm-hmm. a lot of championships with Great Day. And uh, it's 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 very moving. It's incredible. I uh, I think I mentioned that he wrote about this story in his Spirit of the Horse book. Oh, and it yeah, was one yeah. of the yeah, it was one of the best things in there. And I, I think that's where this came from that they Probably. adapted that from that chapter. Oh. It's it's um it's harrowing, I would say, mm-hmm. <laughs> having, having just listened to it again. It's, it's not easy listening, but it's, it's obviously very personal to him, and it's something he felt like he wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. Now, looking back, and the point of the story is that he didn't realize how awful he was being and making life so miserable for this horse until the end, and then his his refrain over and over, like a Greek chorus in this, is "What have I done? Mm-hmm. What have I done?" And it's so wrenching to hear him do that because it's so heartfelt. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. it's him, like really him, talking about a thing that happened in his life that he regrets so much now. It's yes. he sounds like he's near tears at some point as as he's saying this over and over again. Well, yes, and because horses have been such a positive thing in his life. And so mm-hmm. important, and to look back and go, "Oh my God, this mm-hmm. is this is how I rewarded this horse, who I believe was his favorite." Yeah, Ugh. there are. I think there are some songs on here that are stronger than others. Oh yeah. Um, I think, in my opinion, yes. he does so much better with songs that are different. 
So either songs that are basically poems like Black Horses with Mm -hmm. a musical accompaniment, and it's not meant to rhyme, although there Mm -hmm. is a little bit of rhyme that's in there, but it's not like he's not reciting song lyrics. He's doing a poem over music. And some Mm -hmm. of the others are like that, too. Or um, there's another one where he's more um, almost chanting things. And I really like that. Mm -hmm. I think it's less successful when it's just him doing like a song. Um, the very first track on here is called I Ride, and it's meant to be a, it's about motorcycles. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's more like a hard rock sort of thing. I don't think it's as successful. No. There's a very, there's a very weird song on here, which is actually my second favorite called Monday Night in London. It's one of the ones you said you hadn't heard I yet, haven't right? listened to it yet. So It's super weird. And I like it because it's super weird. He can get away with doing things that are super weird. Mm-hmm. So. It, it's about, um, we've heard him tell this story too, when the pandemic was just starting. Oh, yeah. He, he went, yeah, he, he was in London and everybody was starting to be in lockdown. So he was isolated in his hotel room, which was already strange. And then he went out to do the show on the first night and he thought, what if there's nobody in the theater? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, who's going to come to see me? And it's that moment right before he goes on the stage that is the core of this song. So the music is sort of like a freeform jazzy kind of music, mm-hmm. but then the vocal is him and it sounds like someone's recorded him off of a telephone. So oh, it's wow. got that that weird processed phone sound effect to it and it's perfect. It is like it sounded to me like you were either on you were talking to someone really late at night mm-hmm. with music playing in the background and they're oh. telling you this long weird story about this thing that happened and they keep repeating these words right about monday night in london or maybe it's you're listening to like an am radio station and there's interference from a station and there's mm-hmm. kind of this weird music in the background and there's somebody who's telling this long story and you're not really sure where it's going it's a very evocative mood piece more than anything else and i love it i think it's so good like he should do more stuff like that he should do experimental stuff i can't wait to listen to it and you know monday night in london is a great title Mm -hmm. i mean it could go anywhere but you've already set a scene just with the title yeah it's so good um the other one that he's talked about quite a bit and we you sent me the link to that um interview that he had done with a Mm -hmm. podcast he did a podcast um and it's called loneliness Mm -hmm. which he says is the one that he keeps coming back to i like that i have to say i think it's mixed badly or it sounded so to me it was very hard to hear the vocals and that Mm -hmm. one is entirely dependent on the content of what he's saying it's not meant to evoke a mood it's really about his um his thoughts about loneliness and his experiences throughout his life. I just wish you could hear what he was saying better. It made me a little annoyed. Yeah. But, you know, of the 10 I've heard, I wouldn't say there's a single one that's like, oh, no. You know, what are you doing? <laughs> um, and it's interesting to see him reflecting in an honest way. Mm-hmm. You know, without trying to get a punchline out of them. Yes, th- this is true. I am so glad he's not doing that. Mm-hmm. There is another song on here called Masks, which right. maybe you didn't that's hear. That's another one I didn't hear. The last one yeah. I heard was Black Horse. So th- that's all about like him sort of sitting down and going, like, who the hell am I, really? Mm-hmm. And these masks that I wear, 
you know, he's making a direct comparison between the roles that he's played and the masks that he has to wear in real life Mm -hmm. and kind of wondering, like, where am I in all of this and what's really me and how different are the masks when you act versus when you have to do things in Mm -hmm. your life? Can you ever can you ever really be yourself? It's pretty good. I like it. It's you know, him, there's no answer. It's right. just sort of him pondering about this and going, wow, this is a weird situation that I'm in. I like that one too. Now I see there's a song that I didn't get to hear called Tuffy. And I really yeah, want to hear that because, you know, that's a, a nickname he had growing up because yeah. he would just punch anybody out at the slightest provocation, apparently. Yeah. that that What's that one about? Um, The last one on the album is called What Do We Know? And that, a lot like Monday Night in London, is way more experimental, and I like it for that reason. Mm-hmm. It's it's six and a half minutes long, and the second half of it very much reminds me of um, sort of uh, like Tomorrow Never Knows, sort oh. of beatly, repetitive drone, but all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff mixed in, and it's it's pretty trippy. It's a very trippy song. It's good. Wow. So, you know, good on you, Bill, for doing these unexpected things. I, mm-hmm. I hope that these efforts were uh, not, I don't want to say imposed on him, but it always feels like when people push him to do things that he's not so comfortable with, you get a better result. Yeah. Um, and the, the thing this has in common with has been is musically it does not have the theme that like the blues album had and Mm -hmm. the jazz, you know, he was like exploring it, but you know, you're a novice in those and you're not musical. Mm -hmm. And those albums are not as satisfying, even if they, you know, are all songs about things that have happened to him or his thoughts or whatever. But, um, has been was such a strong album. The only cover Mm -hmm. it had on it was, um, Oh, God, what's the name of the song? Common People. Common People, yes. Um, but, you know, it was a song that he could totally relate to. Yes. And I think that was the strength of, of that album. There was huge variety on it. He wasn't locked mm-hmm. into anything. Mm-hmm. And he had the excitement of doing something not exactly new, because he's done recordings before. But, you know, people he was working with were new to him. And I think this captures a lot of the same feeling. Mm-hmm. I agree. I I will I will go to my grave saying that common that cover of Common People is like the best recording that he's ever done. It's <laughs> so incredibly good. Not and I I value all the other things that are on that album, including mm-hmm. um you know the spoken word piece about Noreen and uh, gosh and there's has so much. Been. The song has has been, been is great. Yeah, yes, there's so much song. good stuff. Yeah, so. I am curious to know what other people think about this song. Mm-hmm. You can listen to the whole thing on YouTube. You don't have to buy it. Um, you know, brave marketing move to just kind of put it all out there for mm-hmm. people to, to listen to. And, you know, they probably download it if they want to. But nobody has to buy it. If they just want to hear it, there it is. Yep. Let's see. Uh, I'm looking at this article that you'd sent, which appeared in Spin Magazine. So there's Bill being in the pages of a music magazine. Yes. And he's talking about this album. Uh, he is telling some of the stories behind some of the songs. I'm just skipping to the end here. Right. And it's it's quite good. He says, uh, it says, William Shatner doesn't really care if people used to make fun of his musical stylings or don't understand why he's committed to putting out albums when most would just cruise on his acting career. 
He doesn't have to because he's William fucking Shatner and he's having a damn good time doing it. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Oh, it's great. Um, good on you, Bill. We're very happy that you have an album out. Yes, yes, and and that it's a, I think, a very good album, and yeah. something he can be proud of, and something, you know, I want to listen to several times, and I know there are songs I'm going to add, you know, like to my own personal playlist. Mm-hmm. Good on you, Bill. Yeah, hardworking man. About that. Yes, let's talk about fanfic for a second. Okay. Yeah, so uh, you sent me this link, and I had seen something about it, but I hadn't actually read an entire article. But and this, this is a long article. Oh, this is awesome. It's in Polygon, and it's called The Race to Save Kirk and Spock's Fan Fiction Legacy. So it involves our friend Killa. Mm -hmm. That was uh, so fun and, to see her yes, name. <laughs> proud and privileged to know. And Archive of Our Own, which is the greatest fanfic uh, archive in the history of everything. And it's those two things coming together. So Killa, for a long time, and I, I'm sure we've talked about this before. We have, because I remember when she was first setting it up. Yeah, yeah. She maintained this archive of Kirksbach fanfiction, which pulled from loads and loads of different places and just was this incredibly comprehensive list of stuff. And it was created in 2004, which was several centuries ago in internet time. <laughs> yes. Um, and as with many things, it was an archive that eventually became kind of unusable because the software that she'd used to put it together wasn't really functioning anymore mm -hmm. and the links got broken and things just couldn't, you know, it wasn't working. So archive of our own has taken it over as a rescue project and are transferring all of the many, many, many works into archive of our own, which is great. And now they'll be preserved forever, which is mm -hmm. just wonderful. Yes. And if you have an interest in fanfic or have ever like wondered about it, go to archive of our own and mm -hmm. everything is there. I mean, it will be overwhelming at first, but, you know, pick something, I don't know, an episode that you would like to read another take on and, and search for that or something. You know, see what's there. You might, you know, you might have a real good time. I did. <laughs> the, wonderful, the wonderful thing about Archive of Our Own, and this is the brilliant part that other archives didn't do, is that they invented this tagging system, which is super specific. So you can go to Archive of Our Own and whatever it is that really rings your bell, you will find it and you mm -hmm. can search for it. So in the old days, you know, if you wanted to read, I don't know, um, you know, a, a Picard Q story, you'd have to just go through story after story after story that wasn't really your deal, you know, like mm -hmm. that put them in different roles or different contexts. And it was like, ah, this isn't doing it for me. So now with Archive of Our Own, you can search very, very specifically for whatever scenario it is that, that turns you on in whatever way that you want to. Mm -hmm. And you can like zero in on these niche things really, really quickly. It's great. Um, I'm scanning this article and it says there are over 6,000 stories in the Kirksbach archive. That's a lot of stories. That's a lot of stories. I want to ask you something. Do you remember yes. the first fanfic you ever read? That I ever read? A Star Trek fanfic? Oh boy, uh, I don't. I'd have to think about it. Well, there were one or two 
uh, paperback books that had collected some fanfic, and I had read read those, but I remember the first one I ever read online, and I thought it was the stupidest story ever. <laughs> and I hope it has disappeared. And when I went searching for KS, I swear to God, only two stories came up. Uh, I'm sure I, you're right. Yes. That's how old I am. And this was called, I don't remember who wrote it. Tell me if you know it. The Revenge of the Sock. The Revenge of the Sock? No. Oh, what my God. It? It's it it very short and it's horrible. I don't know. You know, I must have read it six times going, <laughs> is this really, is, are they really doing what I think they're doing? Not the sexual part. Kirk and Spock were going to have sex, but for some reason they, uh, don't have any condoms or, but apparently one of them puts his dick in a sock and I believe ends what? up with the athlete's foot. Oh no. Oh, that's very bad. I could be dead wrong in my interpretation and I don't mind at all if people correct me on this, <laughs> but luckily I, I persevered wow. and found some better stuff. It's horrible. That's so uh... It sounds horrible. Um, let's see. So I I have definitely read the um, the Strange New Voyages books or whatever that, they're called. Yeah, New that's Voyages what I was books. talking God. about. Yes. Yeah. So I read those. But there was also a story, a semi-pornographic story, and I cannot remember where it appeared. Somebody probably knows it. But it was in a magazine, and um, it, it had a lot of sex in it all heterosexual sex of course and it was sort of a parody and sort of not and it ended up like oh it was all a dream kind of thing mm -hmm. and I probably will have to try it now that I'm thinking about it because I haven't thought about it in 40 years I'll have to you know go back and look it up but it was very early on it would have been like 80s because this was when I was still living in New Jersey so um yeah it's been a long time I'm trying to remember what the first online fanfic I read was and I wait I want to I talk about know. this weird heterosexual one um it was in a magazine not a a fanzine but like you know no, like a magazine a you would magazine. buy at a yeah yeah wow yeah but it was it was God, it wasn't in, it wouldn't have been in Starlog or something, mm -hmm. but it, it was, it was definitely published someplace else. And I, oh, I don't know what it is. Now it's going to bug me, uh -oh. <laughs> but I'll find it and I'll, I'll talk about it. Maybe I'll read, no, I'm not going to read it because it was pretty horrible. Um, but <laughs> I'll, I'll have this queued up for next time and I can report it. I'm going to do a book report on okay, this. Okay. Okay. And if you have, have, you know, two minutes, read Revenge of the mm -hmm. Sock. <laughs> okay. If I or can find it. Maybe it's called it, the Sock's Revenge, but I know. I mean, would a sock have to be vengeful over? I don't know. Um, let me tell you one other thing, <laughs> yeah. which is that the, the Kirk Spock archive has a, song, a, a story in it by you. <laughs> well, of course it does. So, I wrote a lot of that. Yes. And um, I was very pleased to see that you were in there. And many of our friends are in there as well. Of so, course. Um, when, when people go look at that, you will probably see lots of names that are familiar. And Killa has very good taste when she was putting all this stuff together. So I don't think there are any shitty stories in the so, archive. Um, are things of yours in there? I don't think so. I looked and I didn't see anything. But What's then the again, name of your one where it, it ends with uh, Tahila Bubala? Because I adore <laughs> that story. Oh, gosh. The truth about it's called Kirk The Truth Spock. About Kirk That's and Spock. That's what it's called. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, um, if you have not submitted it to Archive of Our Own, you better get, get on 
get with it, girl. Yeah. Um, the The problem with the KS Archive is that you can search for stuff, but not, I mean, it's online. It's called, right. it's ksarchive.com, but you can't find everything because the back end doesn't work as well. So mm. I suspect that when it gets moved to AO3, everything will be findable and it's just not right now. It is just amazing to me with AO3 and the Kirk Spock archive and the people who were moderators on Ask Em, that basically mm-hmm. were putting all of their time, all of their energy into, you know, the, these projects, these various ways of sharing this stuff. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yep. And the return was fantastic because you got to be with people who were into the same things you were and it was mm-hmm. all creative and it was, ah, it was, it was very, very heady at that time as yep. I remember it. <laughs> Well, and every now and then something will come up or whatever that will remind me of some joke that we just drove into the ground, you know, by mm-hmm. just repeating mm-hmm. it or writing new variations on it. And I just have to laugh all over again. It was great. It was a great time. Um, let's see. I'm just looking through. Uh, oh, we had one more thing that we wanted to talk about. We're, we're coming up to the end of our, our hour here. Okay. Um, but this was a really good article about uh, the Star Trek Genesis trilogy, quote unquote, yes. quote unquote, proved you don't need a plan. And this is in the Nerdist, and it talks about how, and I agree with this assessment right here, that so many trilogies get planned, and sometimes they're good, and a lot of times they're not good. But sometimes the unplanned stuff is really great. So this article posits that. Star Trek 2, Star Trek 3, and Star Trek 4 go together as Mm -hmm. a a trilogy because they have the through line of of Spock dying and then coming back. But they weren't ever planned as a trilogy. They were just uh, sequentially numbered movies that were loosely tied together. And that, I believe, is part of what set them free or unchained them because at the time Mm -hmm. they were being made... They were thinking of them, even though, you know, the one follows the other as far as picking up the thread. This is a separate movie, a separate story, you know, mm-hmm. instead of, okay, now we're making part two of what is a very, very long movie. And that kills a mm-hmm. lot of things. But also because in writing, in painting, in anything, there there is a certain freedom that is absolutely required to really... Mm-hmm achieve your vision and instead of going okay it's all planned out that we do this you go well what do we do now we've written ourselves into a corner how do we do this and and then mm-hmm, at, mm-hmm. at one point near I think it's near the end of this article it points out that um when Nick Myers came on Meyer I think Meyer Meyer came came on board he was given these five scripts that different people Mm -hmm. had written and he picked one thing out of each script and managed to make that those things go together in a coherent way telling a complicated mature story that was interesting Mm -hmm. and he, he he threw all the rest away but it's like it was kirk has a son they meet Mm -hmm. khan again spock dies um Mm -hmm. and, and it was like if somebody, you know, <laughs> threw those in a barrel and said, okay, I want you to write what many people agree is the best science fiction movie ever mm-hmm, using mm-hmm. this. 
And, you know, I'm sure the studio was putting certain parameters on it. It can't cost more than this. It can't take more than this long to do. But as far as story, character development, the whole thing, that's, that's an incredible achievement. Yep. That this is the brilliance of Nick Meyer as a scriptwriter mm-hmm. and someone who knows how to make movies, right? Is yes. identifying those five compelling things and figuring out how they're going to work together, and and that's why they're so good. Um, I just wanted to read the last two paragraphs of this article because they're great. Okay, it says Harv Bennett, Nicholas Meyer, and Leonard Nimoy purely did all of it on the fly tying these movies together. Mm -hmm. These days, when a series of films disappoints fandom, they go to social media and cry about how things didn't have a proper plan from the start. You see this especially when it comes to critiques of the Star Wars sequel trilogy. But it's not just that series. We saw it with the original Matrix series, sequels, and shows like Lost. But planning things out meticulously isn't always the key to success either. We're pretty sure they planned out the ending to Game of Thrones from day one, and that didn't please a lot of people. Yeah. The Star Trek Genesis trilogy proves there really isn't a rule for this kind of franchise storytelling. In the final analysis, these three films cover a metric ton of thematic ground very successfully. They deal with coming to terms with old age and death, when to let go and not let go. It has a through line about friendship and sacrifice and when the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. And they were also damn entertaining. With so many fans obsessed these days with meticulously drawn out narrative plans for film and TV, Star Trek's 80s heyday proved it is simply not always a necessity. That's right. I agree with that completely. Mm-hmm. And the fact that it was never planned as a trilogy is the biggest positive in that favor, right? Mm-hmm. Because it, it gets to that, that freedom that you were talking about. If they had said when they started making two, hey, probably there's two more movies in this thing. Let's make sure they all tied together. It would have been so much worse, right? Because it would have just been so forced and they would have been cramming things in just to make them, you know, go from movie to movie. It wouldn't have been organic at all. It would have just been a straitjacket. Yeah. And Star Trek, the motion picture, you know, was not a big flop, but it, you know, it kind of made the studio and everybody wonder, can this thing run at all this you know, Mm -hmm. these characters and situation as movies. But on screen in two, you don't see any of that desperation of we've got to make this work or that's the end of this. Mm -hmm. And I'm never getting the big paycheck again or, you know, whatever (laughs) your motivation was. Nope. It's just there and it it rolls along. It's so good. It was, uh, I was on TV a couple weeks ago and I watched most of it. It was great. Um, It's amazing watching how good the performances are in that mm-hmm. versus uh, not to beat a dead horse, but the first season of Next Generation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's on right now. I watched one last night and it was so bad. You know, like the actors are fine. They're doing their best. They're acting their little hearts out. But the writing and the pacing, oh, the pacing, it's so bad. And the, the premises that happen in each episode are just, they're like, what are you guys doing? This is Star Trek. Could you like, do something Trekish? <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, we're Captain Kirk. Um, in last night's episode, it's it's a Klingon one, which you know doesn't jazz me anyway. But whatever. Right. And one of the Klingons, he uh, he escapes. He's in the engine room, and he's got a phaser pointed at um, the warp core, the dilithium crystals, where they are in the warp core, and he's threatening to blow up the ship. And everybody's like talking 
So he's not doing it imminently, and they're all trying to, like, Picard's like, whoa, what are we going to do to solve this problem? You go in there, Mr. Worf, and you talk to him. And I'm thinking, okay, first of all, isn't there a force field around the warp <laughs> core so that this sort of thing doesn't happen on a regular basis, number right. one? And number two, um, stun him from behind. Number three, why not just transport him out of there? Yeah. They can do that. Mm-hmm. Like, any of those solutions would have solved this problem 20 minutes before the end of the episode. And you're, you're just sitting there going, why? Why are we dragging this on where there's these long speeches about, you know, Klingon honor and all that? It's like, oh, this isn't Star Trek. Just mm-hmm. make something happen. Anyway, <laughs> the movies are not like that at all. No. <laughs> I have to mention um, the channel Heroes and Icons, where you can see all this Star mm-hmm. Trek, because, you know, I've been watching it when it's TOS. And I think heroes and icons, and they haven't made a big deal out of it, did a lot of restoration on these. Because I'm seeing little snippets at the beginning and ends of scenes that I've never seen before. And, you know, there was always Mm -hmm. a lot of talk about, did this scene actually happen? Yes, I saw it on TV. I lived Mm -hmm. in Cleveland. Well, Mm -hmm. you know, I lived in Amarillo. I never saw that. I think you dreamed it. You know, they have restored a lot of those into there. And that had to take a lot of work because, you know, these various local stations would trim it for time and just throw the snippets out. Yeah, they're definitely using the remastered versions with all the new effects in them. So I think those those versions have... Yeah, but I think those versions have all of that stuff restored. Because I agree, I, I see it's stuff. It's amazing. I mud was on, I mud was on the other night, and there was a whole thing where I was like, I don't remember seeing this conversation happen as many times as I've seen that episode. Right. Yep. So there's, it's nice to see that kind of stuff on TV mm-hmm. as opposed to. Um, even the ones that they show on the other station, MeTV, often have cuts that aren't very good. You can mm-hmm. tell where something's been cut out. So I go with H&I. They're much yeah. better. Yep. Well, Star Trek's good. I like watching Star Trek. I like the fact that it's it's there and it's on TV. And most of the time, for TOS, even when they're bad episodes, I, I usually end up watching them. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just amazing to me that it has lasted 50 years. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, a huge chunk of my life. And I don't regret a minute of it. Um, There is a play called The Electric Play. Have you ever heard of this? No. Oh, okay. Well, it's been revived now. But pre-pandemic, my sister and I went because it, you know, is getting these great reviews. And it's also known as the Mr. Burns Play. And it, (laughs) it starts out civilization has collapsed and so there's these like five or six people around a campfire and the one guy is telling a story of one of the Simpsons episodes for entertainment and the others are interrupting him and going no it's like this is like it was so fucking boring and we were just (laughs) like oh my god you know I'd had two drinks beforehand so I pretty much fell asleep and uh my sister at intermission said, are you enjoying this? I said, no, let's get the hell out of here. And I, but I, I knew that in the second act, it's like 50 years later or something. And I forget how it has developed. But in the third act, this has become the prominent mythology of the society. And I know people who <laughs> saw the whole thing and they loved it. And I was going, oh, I couldn't get past act one. But, you know, if Star Trek will be dead, but let's say if Star Trek becomes, I mean, it already is like a mythology, but we all know it's a TV show. If mm-hmm. it becomes at the point, to the point where it's perceived history, 
that these are stories that are based on things that actually happened. That would be amazing. And they would like argue about, well, what, what were the, the real ones? There's these films, there's these TV shows, there's these stories written by people with weird names and <laughs> just incredible. It will become the historical record. It will. <laughs> it absolutely will. I'm okay with that. Well, I think this has been a great uh, show for us to uh, come back after our long hiatus <laughs> with personal things and technical things. And Yes. Yeah. It is good. It is good to be back. So, everybody, we hope you enjoyed it and that you're enjoying all the Trek that's happening. Um, please join us on our Facebook page where stuff continues to happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, send send us little tidbits about what you're hearing with uh, with Trek stuff and what you want to hear us talk about. Because yes. Because we will do that. We will continue to talk about stuff. We sure will. Yeah. So, hope you're all well, everybody, and holding it together in these uh, unprecedented times <laughs> in, in the, during the current unpleasantness. So, uh, we hope that uh, you're doing well, and we love you, and thank you for, for being listeners. We think you're great. And as always, as we say at the end of every episode, live long, live long and potluck. And potluck. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.